All right, Laura. So when Yasser said that he was going to have you on the show, there was definitely one topic that I want to discuss and get your take on, and that's uh, women in poker. And so I saw an article on Poker News, and there was a women in poker panel um, that was hosted by Poker Stars during its North American poker tour at the Resorts World in Las Vegas. And the panel addressed ways to bring more women to the game of poker. And there was a couple of stats they shared. I wanted to share this with, uh, with both of you and then the viewers. Uh, so according to a recent Poker Stars survey of 1,000 women in the United Kingdom, 72% of women do not play poker with reasons including they don't know how to play and they've never uh, had the opportunity to play. Women represent less than 8% of most fields at the world series of poker. And that's including uh, the main event at the world series of poker, which is pretty much the, the biggest field um, where you're going to get the most recreational players and it has the most spotlight. Um, and then a couple more things to add. Re- Rebecca McAdam, I believe her last name is Willits hosted the panel. Um, she is responsible for consumer relations for poker stars. She explained a five year plan uh, for the poker site. Poker stars um, has in place to grow the game of poker among women, which includes a partnership with Aaron Leiden's poker power um, women in poker organization. Are you familiar with that organization? I am. Yep. Okay. Um, can you can just kind of elaborate a little bit more on what exactly they are uh, pursuing? So, yeah, I'm not um, an ambassador uh, okay. for them. So there's several women's organizations in poker. Um, I think uh, Poker Power um, has really, like, their biggest focus, as I understand it, has been on trying to, um, partly to use poker as, um, and teaching women poker as a way to bring that same success to other areas of their life as well, okay. which I think okay. is great. Um, you know, but also just in trying to expand the field of women that, that play. Um, so, um, you know, I think that that's great. Um, you know, the, um, poker league of nations that I am an ambassador for, um, has similar things. They've, um, in, in addition, uh, they, they stake some women in tournaments, um, and, uh, that sort of thing. And then, you know, women, the WPA women's poker association, um, you know, is, is obviously very supportive and strong in, pro- in promoting women in poker. Um, you know, to me, I think, any of those things that are going on, whether they're sponsorship, whether they're educational things, all those things are great in trying to bring women in. Um, you know, I think there's some really systemic issues around that are very difficult to address. Um, you know, one being that, you know, women just aren't exposed to poker early and there's not really a way to get at that because nobody's going to be like super receptive to like, us having things where we teach your eight year old how to play poker and people are going to be like, uh, yeah, no, thanks. Um, you know, where you just like, let's get a bunch of eight year olds together and start like teaching them how to gamble. Now I do that with uh, my own niece. She has her poker set and I've taken, and she's like a beast already at eight. You know, and that's awesome. You know, if, if you have, uh, but it's, that's usually done more in one's own family, right. not like outside organizations trying to teach kids to gamble, um, you know, or play poker. Um, you know, so that's that's an issue, um, but I do think that if we can get online, you know, back in the U.S. in general, like it's the more states that it comes to, the more you'll have women in poker, right. um, because you know there's barriers as far as you know as equal as we've become, you know, women still tend to bear more of the childbearing and raising responsibilities. Yes, um, they have 
lower socioeconomic status on the balance. Um, all of those things are, are barriers that can't be overcome by us just like teaching people how to play poker or like having, you know, things. Having, um, you know, reasonably structured lower buy-in events, um, you know, that sort of stuff. Having, you know, casinos be supportive of women by offering, um, you know, tournaments at reasonable price points, um, I think is great. Um, you know, and like Maryland Live has done a number of those uh, sort of things. I think that's, that's all good, right. uh, good stuff. But... But online is really very woman friendly. Okay. You can, especially if you play cash online, I mean, you can just like hop on, play for forty five minutes, and done. You know, there's no driving to a casino and all the rest of the things. You know, so. Okay. You know, but it's you know it's a challenge, and it's certainly a, a much more untapped market than the male market um, is. I do think that there, are, um, and it's a big. That's an even bigger thing is just that women are not pushed into mathematics oriented fields as much, you know, and that's a chicken and an egg thing, you know, of who's oriented to what based on sex. And like, Hmm. that's, we could debate that all day. Um, But I think that there's certain elements of what poker is that draws men to it, you know, like moths to a flame, you know, know, it's that, you know, competition thing of being able, and also there's being able to bust somebody, you know, the mathematical, you know, end of it, um, and you know the you know the gambling. There's just elements of it, and the aggression. Um, you know, you need to be aggressive to succeed in poker. That tends to favor men. I would say, in general, it doesn't mean that like I'm an aggressive player too. Um, but that just right out of the gate, that's there's certain elements of it that tend to favor you know the Y chromosome, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and that's that that's overcomable um, by the game becoming more widespread. You know, and then that perception not being there so much and that place, you know, women have to see that this is something for me. The more they see women on TV playing, the more that, they, you know, they have access to it, the more that, you know, will change. But, like, I've always been drawn to things uh, that men are drawn to more, whether it's, you know, in medicine, playing pool. Like, that's just for whatever reason has been sort of my thing. Right. Um, but it also, you know, sometimes we also are trying to fix a problem that maybe, you know, what if like women just aren't as drawn to poker That's, yes. possible, you know, and then we're just like, well, they should be, you know, like everybody should be like, like maybe, right. um, I think promoting it and trying to encourage people as much as we can, yes. um, and doing the things that we can do, I think are awesome. And those organizations are doing a great job, I think. Right. I don't want to go on my soapbox, but this is kind of the reason this is, this very topic is the reason why I started my business. Um, and even my personal life, I've seen this happen. The reason why I think that poker is so key is because I liken poker to in the, the stock market, stock market to investing. In the moment, uh, or the, you just made a comment. Um, you said that um, the Y chromosome, um, in just kind of in certain spots, you want to be more aggressive. But I kind of want to flip it. Rather than being aggressive, you're in a spot where you probably have equity in your hands, so you want to kind of take advantage there. And so this is a spot where you kind of want to go all in and put your chips in the middle. And I know this is still aggression, but it's it's an opportunity. You are, There's a higher probability than not that you're going to have a favorable outcome. And so if we kind of, if I guess if I can kind of get people to kind of look at it that way, and by learning poker, just the basics. I don't want to teach you poker to for you to go to the casino. But I want you to learn poker so then if we play amongst each other, 
at least we're talking about money, we're talking about budgeting, we're talking about investing, especially in the black and brown community, we don't talk about these things. So I just kind of want to use poker as a, a, a vehicle that's kind of fun, but also we can also talk about those things that aren't necessarily as fun. And hopefully for those that enjoy playing cards and then, all right, well, let's play games for a dollar or so. And then you get in spots where you're losing your dollar and you see how that feels. But if we do it enough, you get, um, for lack of a better word, you just get used to it. And then now you kind of have a callus to it. So now you're going to be more inclined to kind of take those uh, opportunities and kind of go all in. And that can be in life, that can be in investing and uh, in all aspects of your life. So that's kind of what I think that I can do. I know it's it's a lot easier said than done, but that's kind of what my mission is um, and kind of why I've left the casino industry. And this is what my passion is and what I'm trying to do now. No, I think that's great. And I think that's some, that's aligned with, um, you know, what I think um, some of these women's organizations are trying to do for women in general, especially, you know, is, you know, and what I feel that poker has given me is not just like, okay, I'm great at, you know, I'm, I'm good at playing poker. I'm better than I used to be and blah, blah, blah. But you become a better person mm-hmm. by perfecting the different skills it takes to be a really good competitor at poker. Um, that makes you better in life in lots of different areas. And, you know, just like you're touching on. Um, and I think that that's, it's huge. And there's, I don't think more than any other game, I think it does it, you know, because you need to be able to really withstand adversity and be able to still make good decisions mm-hmm. uh, under pressure. Um, I think the aggression element remains and always will remain important in that there's a lot of things in poker where, you know, it's, you can take a much more aggressive action or like you can go all in or call either one is equal EV yeah. in this spot, you know, and human nature is to take a more conservative route, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, to be able to push yourself to have a way of randomizing that and just going all in regardless, you know, that um, that will come more naturally to certain people right? Um, than others. They can be trained, you know, right. and it is what you're saying, which is learning to develop indifference um, and learning to, to flip the script such that you define success by playing well and executing well. And um, if executing well means bluff, you know, bluff jam in that spot, then you do it. Right. Um, and if playing well means folding in a spot because somebody isn't going to bluff enough and you are exploiting them by folding, then to be able to do that, um, you know, it's just trying to maintain objectivity and um, make good decisions yep. uh, in the moment. Right. Yep. Uh, but hitting back on the uh, more of the your experience as a, a a woman on the poker table, what is your experience? I know Yasser had um, some questions on this too. Uh, because of your ex- success, do you think that you? Um, I've heard a lot of nasty stories, um, but because of your success, do you think that Not you? About me, hopefully, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> um, California playing out there as a dealer or just as a player, men. Male or female, it it is rough out there. Um, but um, do you think because of your success, maybe you intimidate some of the men, and so they don't maybe come for you like they would others? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I have, like I said, most of my life I've been involved in fields. I mean, now medicine is more than half women, but the time that I got in, it wasn't the case. Um, but I've been involved in a lot of male dominated. Um, things, sports, career, et cetera. Um, and I haven't had lots of issues with that, which is just, you know, partly just good fortune and partly it's 
uh, interpretation. And I think in getting into poker, I was already successful in my life at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that wasn't my job. So like if somebody's going to like ride me at the poker table, like for what, this isn't, this isn't how I define myself as a person. So like, there's really not a lot somebody can do to make it make fun of my play. Um, and there's probably been plenty of times when that's appropriate. Um, but you know, as far as like, you know, have I had occasional comments like over the years, like, you know, what are you doing here? You know, or, you know, the little lady, this or that you know, sort mm-hmm. of thing. But, you know, I think it's so much more a reflection on those people, right. you know, and I try, you know, in those instances to just figure this is a potential weakness on their part, you know, um, if they will, are they going to underestimate me? Are they going to overestimate me? Probably what they're going to do is make a mistake of some sort in estimating my skill. Um, and my job is then just to use that, you know, and, you know, so, you know, I mean, and I've had, you know, my own struggles in poker. I think one of my biggest mental game leaks used to be feeling bullied at the table, you know, and I had some bullying and stuff as a kid, which I think everybody did. I wasn't like exceptionally bullied, but you know, that's one of the things I worked with in hypnotherapy was getting through that. And okay. that, like somebody would three bet me three times in a row and I'd be like, you know, this guy just thinks he can push me around because I'm a woman or this, that, and the thing. It's like, no, it's like, you know what? They got dealt aces, Kings and Queens. Like that's, <laughs> that's what actually just happened, you know, or like one of them was a bluff and the other two were value, like whatever it is. Um, you know, it's the, I, the chances at the table that somebody's actually decided that you, you know, you know, they may think you fold too much mm-hmm. and that may be legitimate and it may be true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in which case you need to like think about like, are they taking advantage of something appropriate? You know, but um, stories that we tell ourselves at the table, you know, are important to try to recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that overall behavior at the table, in my opinion, has just gotten better and better over time. And there's going to be drunks um, and there's going to be like, there's less of that in tournament and poker in general, but you know, there's going to be people who are pissed off and they've lost a whole bunch of money and they're yeah. going to yell at people or they're going to do whatever. But um, most of the time, I've even people who are kind of notoriously bad boys in poker and things like that, I usually have either steered clear of or just not happened to had issues okay. uh, with. And, you know, that's that's been fortunate. I know it's real and I know there's stuff that's out there. Um, and so it's not to discount other people's experiences um, in that regard. But... I think it's important to do that people in general try to make the tables as welcoming as they can, right. you know, like, especially if you think someone's a bad player, you, your job is to make that experience super fun for them, you know, and that's true. You know, that's your marketing. You know, if you, lo- sorry, if you lose pots to those people, like Yasser did doing that <laughs> one ridiculous hand, like that's your marketing budget, you know, and that's what Elliot will always say. This is your marketing budget. Mm-hmm. You know, like when the casino, when you win on double black, you know, playing roulette. Does the casino yell at you and tell you what fish you are? <laughs> like, they buy you a dinner. Yes, yes. They know this is their marketing budget. And they make sure everybody knows that you just won $10,000 by on double black. And they're thrilled, you know. And so this notion that we're, like, you know, pissed that people, when they suck out on a two-outer or, like, whatever it is, you know, and they got their money in horrible, it's, like, it's your marketing budget. It's mm-hmm. hard sometimes to recognize it in the moment. But that's... That's why the game is alive and well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of self-control to not call that guy <laughs> the sixth deuce, a clown and a moron. But I knew I was going to regret it five minutes later, so I took a breath and just wished everyone good luck and got up from the table. Yeah, That's good. I mean, this guy's great for the game, and he's not there to win. He's there for the dopamine rush of having beaten someone with a bad hand. 
Like that's right. the value, you know, and that is part of the thing. Like sitting at the table is like trying to understand people's why, why are they there? You know, some people are there cause they, you know, they love the thrill of busting people, you know, and they will take significant risks in mm-hmm. order to execute that, you know, and, you know, and when they succeed, they may build a big stack, you know, but I mean, there's a player I can think of just offhand, you know, at, who plays, you know, and that is his prime clear. It's clear. That's his primary motivator to be there is that thrill of busting people or getting a big stack and then getting to push people around. There's that need, you know, and um, so, you know, you have to adjust to that person and, you know, recognize when you have significant investing opportunities against certain people. But, you know, it's, but it's painful when you see people that are, you know, goofy and you're losing to them. It's, it can be really annoying. <laughs> Yeah, so you look like you're getting hot under the collar just thinking about this. <laughs> you know, that's part of the uh, the objective of the poker player. Is, you know, you see people winning with bad hands or playing very poorly, but most of your winnings in poker are going to come from those bad players. So you mm-hmm. have to just figure out how do I take advantage of the horrible hands this person's playing or the way they're betting their hands. You know, you're not really making your money from other good studied players. It's from those people who, you know, you think had a eat rocks for breakfast, you know, you want to adjust to it. You got to just figure out how to beat them. You know, you can't just shrug your shoulders and be like, Oh, well, that guy's unbeatable the way he's playing. Like, no, that person probably is beatable. You just got to figure out how to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you see some really interesting dynamics. Like, um, I was, I remember being in a 5k at the WSOP one time where there were, it was a super mix of a few very experienced people and, like a couple of guys that were super recreational, you know, and it ends up being this weird dynamic of the good players fighting each other over the fish, you know, and, you know, one person is isolating them. Another person is re-raising to isolate them with a somewhat weak hand. And then the next guy is like, yeah, you know, F all you guys and just, you know, jamming all in and forcing everyone to fold, you know, and you just, you know, you get all these crazy uh, situations that can happen when that that's where the main edge is coming from you know i mean i sat right. day two of i don't know what it was like a fix max or something at, over at the win when i was there and it's like main event final tableist main event final tableist you know high stakes pro high stakes pro high stakes pro and then like one guy sits down and he's like the only one you know and he's the only one everybody was after and it, Everybody else is just like play like you're playing against a bot against each other, and you know who's going to get the guy first. And right. Crazy dynamics. Yeah, and then when that person plays a pot against one of the pros, you're really rooting for that recreational player, you know. And it's, that's <laughs> yep. Stack him up. Rooting, yeah, it gives you a fun rooting interest at the table when you're uh, on the sidelines. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, I had one more uh, question on relations to women in poker. So this is just one thing that I thought might work. What if, and maybe this is done before, but using poker as a dating type deal. You, um, I'm, I haven't seen this done, but I thought that would be a fun way um, to uh, kind of switch up. Because these dating apps, there's a thousand dating apps online. Um, but just something new to kind of disrupt the the dating industry um, and just try something new. I was, I don't think Adam would be willing to do something like that in my relationship at MGM is not, 
not very well right now. So um, I don't think I'd be able to do it there. But maybe on Maryland Live, they'll try something. Um, I know they had like a Jack and Jill or a tag team tournament, but just something new, mm-hmm. something new, a new gimmick yeah. uh, to try. I don't know, just something new for the poker community. I like it. Yeah, yeah. You can you can learn a lot about somebody by observing how they uh, learn poker or what their thought process is. I think you could. Uh, Unfortunately, it nicks a lot of people very quickly. Um, <laughs> yep. You know what they think about certain uh, situations in poker, or just like the way their thought process works might uh, might make you shudder. You know? Yeah, yeah. the The format I was thinking is just kind of like a blind date. You get matched with somebody, and then you just guys. It's kind of like the tag team, and you have to play each other's stacks. But then the person could kind of be behind you, and it's a little bit more fun. They, you guys can talk in the middle of hands and things like that. So there's more still interaction uh, amongst you two. You're not just waiting to to sit down and play. Um, but I don't, yeah, but maybe I don't know something we could do online, or I don't know. Um, but I have two more questions, and because I want to be respectful, of your both of your times we're over an hour right now. Uh, where is your favorite venue to play tournament poker? Um, well, it's a complicated answer, I guess. But in Vegas, it's probably the win okay. for this tournament series. Um, you know, I, I mean, I love playing WSOP events. Um, I don't. I think that the win runs their series really, really well. Um, there's certain things about WSOP that like they've got to get addressed, like not having a wait list, which is just absurd. I mean, I stood in a four-hour line yeah, to yeah. get into a tournament there. Yeah. It's just it's unnecessary, um, and it's just not respectful. Mm-hmm. Speaking of being respectful for people's time, you know, I mean, the, the win, their tournament series last year, they were blown um, by the amount of people who showed up, they weren't expecting the volume, you know, so they didn't, you know, there were times like I almost didn't fire the fifth bullet of the prime event that I came in second in because it was going to be an absolute maximum late reg. And I knew that not only was it going to be a maximum late reg when I did it, um, but I was going to have to wait two hours to get in. Right. So it wasn't just like register and get in for your 20 big blinds. It was register, go to dinner and come back. Um, but at least at the win, you register and they give you your number. And I'm like, I was number 1300. So, and they're calling 600. So I can comfortably leave. And then they were sending Twitter updates. We're calling 600 to 799. Now we're calling 800 to 999. Now, you know, you don't have to stand around or stand in a line or any of that stuff. You just, you know, and they call the numbers in order. It's like Baskin Robbins figured it out years ago. The idea that they couldn't figure this out, I mean, it's just absolutely unfathomable. Right. You know? And that they're yelling at you while you're in line that you're a fire hazard. Oh, I, this is optional. Like you created this situation. Right. Um, so that kind of stuff is just ridiculous. Whereas when you're at the win, the hotel is fantastic. Okay. The venue is fantastic. It's classy. It's really nice. Okay. Um, you know, I think we're really lucky in our area. They have uh, Maryland Live and MGM both. Um, you know, they both have their strengths. Um, I, I think I end up at Maryland Live uh, more uh, often. It's closer to me. Um, they've, you know, and have been going there longer. They've been there longer. They run tournaments great. Um, but they're both great venues. You mm-hmm. know, and they have their. They both have their strengths. Um, and I would. I'm not. I wouldn't put either one down. I think they're both great places. And I just feel lucky to be in a place where I have, you know, good, great tournaments. The only, my only thing with those two right now is just like. 
separate your tournament series. Don't overlap them, right. um, you know, because we'll pay and go to all of them if you just separate them. Don't put them on the same days. Right. Uh, but beyond that, I think everybody's doing a is doing a great job. Yeah, I think they're battling with market share. If someone has a major tournament series that month, and then you know the other one doesn't, and they get a lot more, you know, it's just all about the numbers and the the BS. Well, have, it, have it in the month. Just yeah. have them on different weeks. We'll yeah. Go both like most people will yeah. go to have one of the have, you know but they know when one knows when the other one is planned something and then they're planning it for the same week and just dividing right. it up like we want there to be bigger turnouts for things right. and i'll go to both if i can right right you know? yeah i know adam says he he definitely tries to not overlap it um they work but i think uh doesn't live have a new uh manager now Yeah, um, but he was yeah he was uh, uh, pretty much the number two in okay. charge. Uh, so, okay. Chris Angelo. Okay. Now he's been promoted to running the whole room, and and he's really great. But okay. uh, I don't know how much better live can get at their tournaments. I mean, yeah. You know, Chris Chris McCall is a tournament director there, and he he's done a fantastic job for mm-hmm. several years now. But mm-hmm. it's good that they're uh, you know providing these great tournaments for us to play, but. But like Laura said, I have a similar gripe. You know, in August, they both ran series at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Live was running a 5K main event, and it was the same weekend as the opening mystery bounty at the at the MGM. And yeah. So you had to make a choice, which was unfortunate. I yeah. Mean, not everyone had to make a choice, I guess, because those are wildly different price points. But it's just a shame mm-hmm. that it's not at all. I, I would, 100%. yeah, so Adam, I just know for sure, Adam, the ballroom, he has a limited dates that he can run the event. So I would probably guess that Adam probably had those dates booked ahead of Maryland Live. I'm not going to bank on that, but I'm going to say Adam probably did his due diligence and make sure those dates were booked more than uh, a year ahead. Um, so I'll just leave it at, I'll just leave it at that. I don't know if it's true or not, but that was, those dates were on his whiteboard for over a year. So I'll just leave it. One other thing I would say for Maryland, uh, for MGM, to the extent there's any pull on your part, Mm. open the curtains in that room. That makes me crazy. It's the most, one of the most beautiful places I've played poker to watch the sunset over the Harbor Mm -hmm. and we can't open the curtains, open the curtains and like, let us look out the windows. No one's going to like shoot us like a sniper from there. So beautiful. I think maybe it was a safety thing. I can't remember what it was, but that I said the same thing. I was like, this is beautiful here. Yeah. But I think the last time they had it in that middle section. So we unfortunately, yeah. 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 Another thing is do not. And I kind of, I texted Adam um, and I said, hey, these chairs are trash. Um, before, the, before the next event, he asked her if you say anything to him. I know they don't have a lot of, they just use what's in the back, but they need some new chairs. You cannot expect us to sit in those chairs. That's ridiculous. That's, That's disrespectful, actually. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No argument here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Yasser, what's your favorite venue to play tournaments? Absolutely, it's the win. Okay. You know, it's wow. a beautiful, beautiful property. Uh, it's, it's a great, yeah, great hotel. If you could stay there and just take an elevator ride to your tournament, you know, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, in December last year, they had a um, like a show between you know during breaks of the uh, the ten k main event where they had they brought in like a a, bit, uh, like a juggling act or something and something with a. Uh, some drummers, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard to explain, but it was, uh, 
it was a whole halftime show kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they really uh they had a budget. They really used it. Okay. So, they... Yeah, I think when the win uh you know Ray Pulford is the tournament director there. Uh-huh. Him and his staff are just always very uh polite and accommodating and very professional, and it kind of highlights differences between a property like the win and some other places. But, right. Um, yeah, I'd always love to go to the win mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So yeah, WSOP brand is awesome, but sometimes I think they're bigger than they're. They just want to make as much money as possible, and not really thinking about how the experience is for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. yeah, and the win is obviously doing it right. You both said the win, and I've heard when I said I was going to Bahamas. There's multiple people like, why are you going out there? Go to the win. Um, so um, they're they're 100 doing something right. They're providing a great experience, um, and hopefully uh, it expands and uh, they continue to keep doing great things. Uh, for my last question for both of you, Can and I, I need to step away for one second. Yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah, sir. Tell us. One thing you would change about the game of poker, it would be tournaments, cash, or just the game at all, overall? Um, I guess I would like to see people be more respectful to their opponents and, uh, uh, you know, like slowing a game down because because they're dealing with, the you know, talking to the waiter or waitress mm-hmm. with the drink order. You know, when it's their turn to act, they should act on their cards first so they're not holding up their eight opponents and the dealer. Um Stuff like that. And then also I like to see people like, you know, win gracefully. I think sometimes people can, uh, they don't even sometimes realize they're doing it, but they will win a pot and then they'll explain their thought process uh, to the person that they just beat in the pot. And that's happened to me. And uh, sometimes it's tough to not say something like, I didn't ask, I don't care, just take the chips and mm-hmm. moving on. You know? right. um, but some people just don't know any better. They don't even see it like that might be uh, – you know, the, doing the post-mortem of a hand might be a little bit insulting to the to the person they just beat, beat out of like $600 if it's a cash game. Or if they just, you know, when you bust someone out of a tournament, you know, there's very little empathy in poker. And uh, I think that's, that could be a problem. I mean, but, you know, you're also kind of numb to it when you've played a lot of tournaments and you see some people take some horrific beats. You might not, you know, bat an eye. Uh, you know, two weeks ago I was playing in, the multi-flight tournament at MGM, and it was aces against kings all in pre-flop. Mm-hmm. And the aces flopped the set, and then the kings made running quads. And some people at the table, you know, didn't bat an eye, like I said, because it didn't happen to them, so they don't care. And other people were like, wow, that's astounding, because that's not supposed to happen. Right. Ever. You know, but you play enough poker, you're going to see everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be nice if people were just... Overall, I think more respectful of the game and their opponents, like, you know, not talking during a, a three-way pot. I think that's really unfair to, to some people who might be in the hand, um, just not having a, enough respect for the game. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, probably the, the main thing I like to see to see change. Yeah, that's it's hard because those are kind of like those unspoken rules, and if the game expands, you have to kind of educate those new players as well. So that's probably going to be just kind of like a – ongoing um element of the game we'll have to i guess work on um winning yeah. gracefully you gotta teach new people the etiquette stuff. yes like, i remember that as i as i first got into poker like not knowing 
like part of it is you like you don't even really like know how often things happen all the time either you know and so like you think that like getting aces against kings is like a one in a million mm. kind of thing like it just seems like oh my god that never happens you know kind of thing um and you know so some of it is your perspective on things and then but the rest of it is like you, also you just don't know like what you're supposed to say to people at certain times or when things happen or when bad things happen. So letting mm-hmm. people know that kind of stuff. And some people are um, more socially tuned in than others too. 100%. But, yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you, both of you think there's a need for a shot clock in every tournament? Or do you not from the beginning. For... Okay. Um, yeah, no, I'll say not from the beginning. Um, I think it's, you know, I've been in a number of tournaments with shot clocks um, I think at a certain point when you're approaching the bubble, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's probably, it's not necessary for like a hundred dollar daily tournament or okay. something. I mean, that's just, you know, it's the, just the logistics of having to like set it up and mm-hmm. then, you know, every, familiarizing everybody with it and then dealing with the stupid chips and all that stuff. It's not, it's not worth it for you know, ordinary things. I think for, um, for, higher level tournaments or higher buy-in tournaments, especially multi-day tournaments, I think it's very good to have, okay. especially as you're approaching the shot clock because, I mean, as you're approaching the uh, bubble, uh, because there's just a significant advantage in stalling um, otherwise. And even with the shot clock, you'll get people that are yelling at you if you are taking your full um, time every single time. But you should be because <laughs> other people are. And yeah. if you don't, you know, if you're sitting there with six big blinds and you're on the stone bubble, you should be taking every possible second you're allowed to take. Absolutely. Um, you know, if, you know, if there's not, you know, maybe if you're on the stone bubble, then it should be hand for hand. But I mean, before you're hand for hand, um, you know, that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I, I find like otherwise unnecessary. I find people that like take, like they think that they, they've seen on TV, like these pros taking a long time. So they think that that's like a cool thing to do, mm-hmm. you know? And so they're sitting there, you know, with their hand on their shoulder because they've seen pros do that. So that must be an important thing to do. And then, you know, and then they're sitting there like looking at their cards, tanking and then folding, you know, and not on the bubble, but just like every single hand. And they somehow think it's like, dude, if it's your folding, like if you, I assume you know your opening ranges. If you know you're folding, freaking fold so we can get on with the game. Like that just, I find incredibly t- like annoying. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, if you have a tough spot and you need to take a long time to think about a difficult decision, you know, I'm not going to call the clock on somebody to take the time you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if somebody's a chronic tanker, um, you know, and they're just doing it, you know, I mean, Yasser and I, I think, are familiar with a local player who does this every single tournament. He just takes like 30 seconds and he knows the actions on him, but he knows that it tilts people and he's doing it, I think, specifically for that reason. Um, that, um, I think, is something that at some point that person should get penalized. Yeah, it's very disrespectful to the game, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what's your take? And it, oh, go ahead, Laura. No, no, I was just going to say, and it gets to like the whole heart of what we were talking about, which mm-hmm. is you want to grow the game, right. you want there to be recreational players, make it fun. Don't make it annoying yes. and irritating. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think some people take a long time, and they, they don't, I think they kind of enjoy knowing that all the eyes are on them waiting see what they're going to do and they might take an extra 30 seconds or something and also i think uh, a lot of people's uh, perception of time is a little warped because they might be tanking for two and a half minutes but to them it only seemed like 45 seconds you know 
I think it'd be an interesting exercise to like put someone on a clock and then, um, at, you know, without telling them how long it was afterwards, like, okay, how much time was that? Yeah. People would drastically underestimate how much time something was, uh, you know, we have the power of calling clock on someone, but a lot of times, especially local tournaments, there's only like one floor person in the vicinity and it'll take them a while to come back to your table. So, even when you, from the time you, call, you tell the dealer you want a clock, it might be another minute before that clock starts. Yeah. So that's kind of a problem. Yes. Yeah, and I mostly, if I'm not in the hand, I'm mostly not calling uh, clock unless it just gets ridiculous. Okay. Um, you know, there's certainly been times where it's just like, all right, you know, we're minutes, many minutes. In no, minutes. I understand that, and I'm sort of the same way, but um, even when I'm not in the hand, I mean, Every second that goes by is affecting everyone's EV in the tournament, right? So if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I got 14 big blinds and I'm sort of worried about it, like I'm ready to move on to the next hand if I feel like the, the player is taking an inordinate amount of time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in some in some cases, I guess you know, shot clocks would be very helpful as the uh, bubble approaches. Okay. Yep. Well, and then also once you're in the money too. Um, that prevents a lot of tanking around pay jumps. Yeah. Um, so I, I like it, like leading up to the bubble and going beyond, which is how most WPTs are. Um, and I like that format. I think it would be very difficult for them to execute that at the World Series just because of the massive numbers of people and mm. massive numbers of iPads they need <laughs> in addition to the chip, you know, things. But um, I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Laura, the question I asked, uh, the final question I asked, uh, Yasser was, uh, tell us one thing you would change about the game of poker, if any. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty of things. I mean, but, I mean, like I already touched on, like, having a reasonable um, alternate list that just goes in order. I, I mean, that's every other every other place but the WSOP, I think, in the world pretty much has it, but... Um, so that's a personal thing I would change. Um, I do think that one big thing that does need to be changed is that I love Big Blind Annie. It's great. It expedites the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get, um, particularly when you get to the final table, it needs to be um, at least truncated uh, when you get uh, start to, to get shorthanded, like maybe at least at four players or six. Okay. Um, it shouldn't be a full Big Blind it radically changes uh, things, especially heads up, um, you know, to have a full big blind ante in there every other time. I mean, it's, um, it cuts down, um, you know, I mean, it just makes the pot huge every single time. Okay. So that's, uh, I think that adjustment needs to get made. Okay. Do you, do you think they keep it bloated just to make the, the action, uh, I guess maybe if they're streaming it for a TV, uh, it creates more action. Do you think they're doing it on purpose? I don't. Um, I think it's just easier to leave it as it is. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It wouldn't be hard to just say it's a half big blind. Mm. But I mean, but it may be the case. But it's, it's, you know, in certain events, it doesn't matter as much. You know, when you get to, um, if you are still super significantly deep stacked when you get heads up, but that's often not the case. And it's, you know, even if you don't have a big blind ante, it's going to go fast enough. Um, and then in that case, I would say just shorten the levels. Um, you know, if you were at hour levels, you know, make them 45-minute levels when your head's up. Or some places make it 30. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, the impact of any single one hand, you know, having a full big blind handy, it's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. We are right, pretty much right on the hour and a half mark. Um, so I want to be respectful for um, both of your times. And I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. Yasser deserves all the credit. He's the one uh, that pretty much he was here for episode number one and he definitely uh, got you on this episode. So yes, yeah, I truly appreciate it. Laura. I appreciate you taking the time um, doing this today. Hopefully we can do it um, in the future. Uh, I know uh, Yasser discussed trying to get Jane on as well. If we could all four be on, that would be amazing as well. Um, I, would, I, sh- I know she definitely has a ton of stories, um, obviously on and off the felt. So that'd be amazing to really uh, dive into to Jane and her her background and her poker experience. So uh, thank- well, thanks for letting me hang out with you guys today. This was really fun. Absolutely. Enjoyed talking yeah, thanks with you. For- thank you. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Thank you. And I think if anybody, whether they're a fan of poker or not, they have there's something in here that anybody can take from this. So this was this was amazing. This was great. Great way to start my day. Absolutely. <laughs> Mine too. All right. Thank you. Thank you again. Um. Uh, viewers make sure you follow this show this will not be the last time so make sure you follow um stay tuned share with your friends and family and thank you both again have a wonderful day all right you too thank you all right that was great why did they kick off yasser (laughs) oh yasser must have hung up (laughs) okay okay Yeah.